Wait, hold on. I'm so I'm so sorry. I didn't hit record. Wow. That all is so good. Well, take two, here we go. All right. At least I recognized before before it was thirty minutes. Don't make that face, Austin. Grace and peace. You're listening to United We Pray, taking racial struggles to the throne of grace. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think better about race in ways that are biblical, helpful, clear, and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at uwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. Welcome back, Isaac. <laughs> you say it so shamefully, Austin. Uh, but yes, here we are on take two because uh, Austin was set up perfectly and I was not. So I didn't hit the record button, but I've hit it. Re- I've hit it now. And here we are. Uh, and though you are full of shame, Austin, Jesus is not. And so I'm going to begin by reflecting on him uh, just to open our time together. Uh, but we were talking about Mark five uh, and I was I, I was saying how in this season and on these issues, we want to be looking to Jesus. I love this simple exhortation from Hebrews, looking to the founder, the perfecter of our faith. And I just want to talk about this scene from Mark 5, uh, where the woman is healed, who had been bleeding. Uh, You said you love that scene, and I think that's appropriate. Uh, Mark 5, 33 says this, the woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. And this is what Jesus says. He says, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. And and I love that scene, bro, because we see the tenderness of our Savior. Uh, This is the only time he says daughter in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, and it's, it's a beautiful scene where, where, you know, we see she's coming with fear and trembling and he, he uses his familial language to welcome her. And I love that. Uh, so I think as we begin a difficult conversation, um, we should rely on a tender savior. So let, can I pray for us? And then we'll hop in. Please, do, please do. Father, um, we thank you that we can call you father. And thank you that Austin is not just my friend, but my brother. Uh, Father, we thank you for that our faith has saved us. Uh, Father, we thank you that we can come to you with the whole truth. We pray that we would talk about the whole truth on this episode. We pray we do so honestly. We do so humbly. Father, we pray you would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Isaac, we are kicking off our sixth season here. I'm excited about that. I know you are too. Yes. And you wanted to start off with what topic? Uh, I wanted to kick around this question, should I leave my white church? Now, who are you talking to? This is a good question. I wanted to talk primarily to black brothers and sisters asking this. Many are, not all, many, uh, though I think are. So, of course, some are in their churches, thriving, happy, only thankful for that. Man, praise God for that. Amen. Um, but uh, on, on, the, on this podcast and in this ministry, we talk to white people a lot, and I think that's great. White people who want to be learning about these matters, I think a lot of them feel welcomed here, but challenged 
And I think that's a good balance. Hope so. Um, and yet, uh, I just want to read an email. This is not from a brother within my own church, uh, but from, from a dear friend of mine. And he said this in reflecting upon leaving his church. He said, the silence, misunderstandings, tokenism, defensiveness, and disregard, intentional or unintentional, toward me for matters I have raised related to ethnic unity among Christians within the church and our ability to reach all ethnic groups with the gospel in our community was certainly felt. And I know black brothers and sisters who are asking this question, basically saying, when is enough enough? Uh, how long do I put up with these struggles? So I think this is a sincere question, and I think it's a tender question, right? And Austin, if we can't talk about the tender questions, the on, and we can't talk about them honestly, I think that's a problem. And COVID has made it really difficult to have honest conversations uh, because you know it's really hard when your church can't meet, or you're meeting in a field, or you're meeting outside, or whatever, uh, where yeah. different congregations are being forced to do, or for a limited amount of time. So I think I hope pastors realize people are asking this, uh, and it's an important question because it gets to our witness, which bears witness about Jesus, right? John 17, 21, Jesus said, Jesus prayed uh, for our unity because it testifies to the world that the Father sent him. John 13, 35, by this, the world will know you are my disciples uh, by, uh, if you have love for one another. And so uh, you hear me say this, but I think this is important because if we care about, I said this often, if we care about evangelism, we should care about racism. Uh, it bears upon our yeah. witness. Uh, so thoughts on that, man, or, and I have a question for you, but any thoughts on that you want to kick around? No, I mean, I think you framed it well. It's important to note that this isn't just an academic exercise. Like this isn't something we're talking about just for fun. This is something people are really wrestling with. And I wrote an article a few months ago, uh, asking the question, am I a political Pharisee? And in there, there was some, some demographic research, which had been done, which said that, uh, majority white churches have been trending more diverse ethnically. They've been becoming more diverse since the 70s, pretty steadily. And the only real regression in that trend was uh, immediately following the last presidential election. And I I don't intend to speak, you know, on on the election or on the candidates, but uh, we're in a season where the same patterns, I think, are going to come up again. People are asking the same question. There are opportunities for misunderstanding for all kinds of, of things like that. And so this is an important question to be asking right now, and I appreciate the ways you've framed it. So Austin, as a, as a white brother, uh, is it important, because we're talking about framing, to recognize a white church as a white church? Uh, what, what are we talking about with that? Well, I think at one level, uh, there's probably a fair number of white brothers and sisters who hear that and kind of chafe a little bit, right? Like they don't think of their church as a white church. They think of it as a church. Mm. And uh, at one level, we want to affirm that and say that every, every church that exists under the lordship of Jesus, is that's his church. But at the same time, no church exists in a, a cultural or ethnic vacuum. And so if a church is led by and made up by, you know, almost entirely white people, then that church is going to present uh, different challenges for minority brothers and sisters who want to join in that fellowship, who may have to also cross cultural or ethnic barriers uh, in order to join in the fellowship and worship with brothers and sisters there. 
And so part of this conversation, in as much as we are talking to minority brothers and sisters, I think is a helpful conversation for white brothers and sisters to listen to, just opening up new struggles and ideas that they might not have thought about. Yeah, I think you touch upon uh, a few things really, really helpfully there. And one one I just want to get out there is like a working definition of church, just so we're having some, uh, just making yeah, that good. clear. I'll just say, as Baptists, we're going to say it's... Believer, believers covenanted together who meet at, at a time and place, baptized believers <laughs> who are covenanted together, uh, who meet at one time and place for the right administration of the word and the right administration of the sacraments. And I, I like what you got to about the kind of essence of the church, because ontologically, the church is not defined by its ethnicity, right? That's not its essence. Jesus go there. Right. is its essence. Right, uh, he is our fundamental yeah. identity. Before we are black or white, male or female, we are most fundamentally Christians. But we know a Korean church when we see a Korean church, right? We know uh, a black church when we see a black church, uh, and we say this in the Sunday school um, curriculum we teach here at our church, just on how every church has a culture. And I just want to read this because uh, I think it's useful for our conversation. And it, it picks up and basically uh, repackages some of the things you were saying. But uh, it, we say it's tempting to say that a church is a place where we have nothing in common but Jesus. Sounds great, doesn't it? Sounds biblical, sounds spiritual. The problem is it's just not true. Uh, and we go through, we say, you know, we we need to be honest about the fact that our church is predominantly made up of this ethnicity, or we have this many people from the suburbs, or this many people from the city, this many people who might uh, vote for this political party, or at least, you know, generally speaking, this many people who are at least this age. And that doesn't mean if you're not in the majority for any of those subgroups I just defined, you can't be a healthy, thriving member of a church. It just means that the church will be harder for some folks than others. And that's what you were getting at. And if we're to love others, uh, we do well to recognize that not being honest about the church you have works against that. Well, and even that implies that those other things are not permanent or inflexible. The permanent thing about the church is Jesus and our cultural preferences and the ethnic makeup of a church. Those things might change over time. And we, we want to be more open-handed with what we require of people culturally, whether intentionally or not, uh, in joining in fellowship with us at church so that we can have Christ in common and that be the loudest note sounding from our churches. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask just like, what are some ways you try to smoke that out to see the ways like, yeah, I'm, I'm not being as open-handed as I might think I'm being. I think that often is hard to determine in the abstract. Yeah. So if you're trying to figure out your own sort of biases and subconscious preferences, those aren't going to become clear to you until they're challenged. And so oftentimes, as a white brother or sister in a majority white church, sort of what you've gotten used to and what you're comfortable with and what you just think of as the normal course of business for a church, that won't stand out to you as uh, uniquely white culturally until somebody points that out to you. That's important because that work of pointing out the lack of diversity often falls to minority brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And that is tiring work. Mm-hmm. And Especially when you're met with defensiveness, disregard. There's, there's all kinds of things that can make that difficult. I've, I'm assuming, because I've never experienced this, but just in talking with brothers and sisters who have. Um, so I'm, I'm less concerned about you know, recognizing all of my biases immediately because I, that's not something I understand myself to be able to do. 
what I'm more interested in doing is how I respond when someone brings up a concern to me. I, I just, I just am so worried to be humble and receive that well and not defensive and not, you know, punish somebody for bringing up a concern and doing that hard work and fighting for greater unity than just the lack of conflict. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. So you pose the question then what's, what's your answer? What do you, what do you want to tell somebody who's thinking through whether or not they should leave their majority white church? Yeah, I think my, because I, I get this question often and my short answer is this maybe now that sounds like a cop out. I get that. Yeah, Um, but I want to highlight, (laughs) thank you for your constant encouragement. Uh, I shouldn't leave this conversation is what I should leave, but here we are. Uh, (laughs) it sounds like a cop out. Um, but I think it's important because uh, I think maybe perhaps a better way to say it or what I'm getting at is we all have different answers, I think. And I think that's important to recognize. Uh, and so when I hear that question, you know, when is enough enough? I think there are different answers Christians can have to that question and still be faithful Christians, right? What's enough for me might not be the same for that person, right? If we think about it like a mission field, like, hey, this this brother or sister might stay on the field for two years and cannot continue. This brother might stay for 10, cannot continue. This brother might stay for six, cannot, you know what I'm saying? Uh, And so I think, but the way I see it being framed at least uh, is that we shouldn't all have different answers. It's either a no pun intended, black or white. Uh, This is the answer for everyone. And that's just not the case. But what I at least feel like is being presented on some level is you're an uncle Tom, if you stay and you're a liberal, if you leave. And I think that's the devil's deal. I just think that's hellish. Uh, I think Satan is having a field day getting us to turn on one another when the New Testament just simply doesn't prescribe how diverse your church must be. Uh, And I think sometimes we rely on those numbers or act as if it does. Uh, So I don't want to say all must go and I don't want to say all must stay because the reality is, I think the Beatty said this since you're repping his his conference on your t-shirt. We love the Beatty here. Both decisions require faith. Um, and that's what I want to say to someone. So I, I have some more thoughts, but that's what I would want to say to someone on the front. And I have a, a couple more kind of diagnostic questions to ask, but on the front end, I want to say is we all have different answers and it's important to recognize that because I'm not the Bible. So what I'm doing per se, isn't necessarily what you should be doing and vice versa. Well, can I ask you a couple of follow-ups on that just to sort of yeah. drill down? Are you saying yeah. that there might be good or bad reasons to either stay or go? So you yes. could imagine a scenario where somebody might stay for the wrong reasons or leave for the wrong reasons. Yes, or totally. Or leave for the right reasons or leave for the wrong reasons. Correct. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And it's really complicated because people are complicated and churches are groups of people and on top of that, sinful people, right? Uh, and the sin is not always unilateral. Uh, so it's complicated and hard and messy. Um, so, so, that's what, so that's what I say. Maybe, uh, and I don't know if, if you want to press further, go ahead, or I can just kind of run through some diagnostics of what I, would, uh, what I ask yeah, myself or what folks have asked me. So, so on one level, I get asked the question, like, how do you, how do you stay in a predominantly white church uh, my church is about 70%. We've planted a couple churches uh, in these last few years, but 70, some, somewhere between 70% uh, and then 15% Asian, 12% black. And those, th- those numbers have been changing over years, but they're numbers. Um, 
But but I think people are just asking more theoretically, how do you stay within a predominantly white church and not get angry? And my short answer is I don't, right? I I, I do get angry at things. Uh, I hope some of it is righteous anger, right? Be angry and do not sin. But I certainly don't presume it's always all righteous. Um, and uh, But the, the kind of factors I've ran through are, number one, I... I grew up in spaces like this, right? So I think I have a different bandwidth for it. Number two, I trust the leadership of the church. And I do think this is a linchpin issue, and I'll come back to this. Uh, But from what I can see, you can look at that New York Times article about the black exodus. This seems to be the nub, the rub, kind of, can you trust your leaders to be talking about this, thinking about this, speaking about this? Uh, Three, I just try to remember my own sins that Isaac's a sinner and people are bearing with him. Right. Uh, and then four, I try to remember that this is, this is my family in some sense. Now I want to be clear. I don't think anyone leaving is denying the third or fourth thing that I've said that they're not remembering their sins or they're not remembering that this is their family. But I think those are good, good factors to consider. And what's more, I remember I was kind of speaking about my experience and saying some of these things and a brother came up to me and a black brother and just checked me. And he was like, yo, I just want you to realize your experience is the exception, not the norm. Because I fear Austin, the norm is that email I read earlier. And I, I would hope that I hope I'm wrong. I'm not sure I'm wrong. And I would hope that conversations like this, honest conversations, can change that. Well, let's just name that as a starting point then, because that's that's something that I think is going to be confusing to a lot of white listeners listening, which is that it's hard to be in a place where you are the ethnic minority. Yeah. So the question you're asking that sort of presumes like how how long can I keep doing this thing that's hard? That's sort of the the backdrop yeah. for the question. Yeah. And how long, and, and in some sense, how long should I keep doing it? Right. Uh, and I think you have sincere Christians wrestling with questions of like, look, I'm not trying to just do my own thing. Uh, but I'm also not trying to enable bad things. Cause, uh, one brother said, helpfully, you know, love can lead us to endure some toxic things and some toxic places that are not good. Right. And to enable some things that are not good. And it actually might be most loving for me to leave in some, some scenarios, but go ahead. I'm riffing. No, no, that's all I wanted to say was just to name that and to sort of set the tone. It's, if I may get personal for a second, you and I had this conversation or some variation of it some years back in the context of this ministry, because Mm -hmm. you were talking through, do you mind if I share this? Please? Yes. Share it. Okay. Well, in the early days of this ministry, when it was something that we were just doing as volunteers, I wasn't even involved yet. I was just your friend. And you were receiving uh, quite a bit of pretty nasty negative feedback. It wasn't constructive criticism by people well-intentioned. You were just, you were just getting some pretty nasty pushback. And you Mm -hmm. and I had a long conversation about whether or not it was good for you to be in this position in this ministry, whether God had wired you in a way that this was a good thing for you to be doing. Yeah, I remember that. And I think that's some variation of the conversation that's happening now, which is it's it's not any kind of reflection on your worth as a person or Mm. how good a Christian you are if being a minority brother and sister in a white church is too hard for you right now. That doesn't Mm -hmm. make you a bad person or a bad Christian. It might just be time to go somewhere else and be fed and not experience those challenges right now. Yeah, I think that's well said. And I, I do remember that conversation. Um, and that, and you're exactly right. Um, we, we simply don't want to look at this as a referendum on our self-worth. I mean, my goodness. Right. As we talked about, Jesus is the essence here. He's the one we're looking to. He's the one who defines us. Uh, and I think that's really problematic if 
people are feeling that way and I don't want people to be feeling that way. Uh, and more so if we're pushing on these matters, there, there's going to be seasons where you, where you can be in and where you can be out and that, and that's fine. And not all of us have the same calling in this conversation. And that's what I'm saying is some are going to be called to go to the kitchen. Some are going to be called to go to the living room. It's just, it's all God's field or it's all God's house. So he's going to tell us where to go. And he is the general. I think Erwin and sent this in our in our conversation. Right. He's the one who gets to who, who gets to tell us where to go. So I think that's really helpful to highlight. Um, and so I hope this conversation is useful insofar uh, as it, is it that it helps us to have the right expectations of ourselves and of others. Right? We don't want to have the expectation like, oh, I can't believe these people sinned against me. Right? Like we should. Don't join a church if you don't want people to sin against you. Right. But there, we should recognize there is a particular wound uh, with racism that we've we've yeah. got to think through and deal with. And um, I do think there there is some level of disproportionate responsibility here, right? If if we're just looking at history in the way that white evangelical institutions segregated them, segregated and forced out blacks, well, who 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 bears responsibility for repairing that, right? Yeah, and for forgiving in that, and who. who so we we those are the kind of conversations uh, we want to try to have. I think uh, so. I think people want to ask themselves: um, Can you trust your leadership? Is there good upbuilding work for me to do here? Right. So have the right expectations. Can you trust the leadership? Is there good um, edifying work for me to do here? I'm, I'm just thinking Philippians two, putting the needs of others before your own. Yeah. Or is it time to pass the hammer to someone else? Right. Or the you know the tools to someone else. And I do think that question you got to is, are you happy in Jesus? Uh, guard your heart above all else for from it for wellsprings of life. Life is short. Jesus is coming back. Uh, this podcast won't be necessary one day. Um, and I just want to say to people, uh, Mike Kelsey said this, and I think this is really useful because sometimes when I was saying like love can lead you to stay in a situation that's not good, uh, we can start putting our hope in people's repentance or in people growing in their understanding, and that can be really discouraging. Uh, and I want to just encourage Black brothers and sisters listening to this to hope in Jesus, period, Amen. right? Because their repentance, uh, your white brothers and sisters' repentance is not your responsibility. So you want to be, you want to speak the truth, you want to be gracious, you want to leave it to God, and then you want to think through these kind of questions and we, these kind of diagnostic things we put out about whether or not you should stay, I think. Um, and if you decide to go, go graciously and go confidently and happily knowing that the white church is not the church, right? So leaving one is not synonymous with leaving the kingdom of God. And we need to be clear about that, I think. That's a really important word. Can I shift the conversation just a little bit to say not so much about, you know, should I leave or should I stay? but yeah. how to respond, say, if your friend does leave or if your friend does stay and you wish they wouldn't. How would you counsel someone who is dealing with this question one degree removed? Yeah, if someone is staying, I mean, we want to, again, Philippians 2, put the needs of others before our own. So it, you can make someone feel pretty crummy if you say, oh my gosh, why? Why are you going? But why? Explain it all. It's like... Oh, let's just be really humble and be like, recognize this is really hard and be like, yeah, 
I totally understand it. And we just want to hear it mega graciously. If so, especially if someone is leaving graciously, my goodness, let them go. Like if there's don't shoot a them gospel, in the back, right? Like that's what I'm saying. We don't want to be saying we don't as just as we don't want to be giving a middle finger on the way out the door. We don't want to give a middle finger on the way as someone leaves the door. Right. And yes, I understand no one's giving middle fingers, but you know what I mean? Um, we don't want to be doubting the sincerity of someone's faith. We want to recognize there's a whole lot of factors that God did not make this person maybe the way they made me. And maybe that's actually a really good thing. Like, so, I mean, man, we just want to be mega gracious in hearing it and watching it go on. And I think, Austin, instead of, here's one to, to your point, instead of thinking, hey, what's wrong with that person? Maybe the question we should be asking is, hey, what's What's wrong? Let's use this as an opportunity to reflect on what's wrong with us. What's wrong with me? Right? We could be, frankly, prideful and just think about the person in that sense and like, hey, something's wrong with you because you're leaving because, hey, nothing's really wrong here. But I think we want to use that as an opportunity for serious self-reflection and recognizing that we can only do so much and not everyone is going to be pleased in our churches. And there are some churches that can serve people better than ours can. And praise God, uh, at the end of the day, we are just temporary houses folks are passing through. Does that, does that get to your question? I think it does. I mean, just to sum up, Jesus is Lord of the conscience. You and I are not. Let's not assume motives. Let's not assume that if somebody leaves, it's because they're compromising theologically or compromising and betraying their people or anything like that. Let's just continue to be gracious with each other and let let each other make different difficult judgments. Yeah. Yeah. And you can you can still love and pray for folks and you can still work together and there's different ways to display unity. Maybe we talk about that once. And Jesus has got this at the end of the day, right? This isn't like, oh, this church is falling apart. It's like, well, sometimes some things need to break down so they can be built back up stronger. So, so yeah, man, I think, uh, I think it's an important question certainly to kick around and it's an important one to pray on because unlike yourself, I keep us on time. You want to open us up in prayer, man, and then I'll close. I, I will forgive that comment and open us in prayer. <laughs> okay. Father, we thank you for the chance to have this conversation. And we just acknowledge that we are having it as brothers who are both happy in our churches, who are um, mm. in good situations doing this well. And that's not the case for everybody listening. And Lord, we lament that. We uh, pray for brothers and sisters who are in tough situations, who are asking this question genuinely and with pain, Lord, whether or not they should stay in their church or um, find another. And thinking through all the relational and uh, other implications for that, Lord, we pray that you would give peace. Lord, we pray that you would give wisdom. We pray that you would give clarity, Lord, uh, and help people to respond to their decision well. Um, Lord, whatever decisions people make to stay or to go, Lord, we pray that you would keep all of us from pharisaical attitudes. We pray that you would just wash all of these situations in grace, help Christians to not bind each other's consciences where you have not, Lord. And we just pray that uh, your people would be well cared for in churches which are good fits for them. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Father, your word says, hallelujah, how good it is to sing to our God, for praise is pleasant and lovely. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. He gathers Israel's exiled people. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He gives names to all of them. Our Lord is great, vast in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord helps the oppressed, but brings the wicked to the ground. Uh, Father, we pray to you knowing that you are that Lord. 
as my brother prayed, you're the Lord over the conscience and you're the Lord uh, who speaks tenderly to your daughter and sons, as we thought about earlier. Uh, Father, that you heal the brokenhearted and we recognize there, there are likely some broken hearts listening to this. Father, we can't heal ourselves. That is in so many ways the essence of our faith. We need you. Uh, Father, we pray that we would help others heal. Uh, Father, we pray as we wade and think through difficult decisions in a difficult year, uh, Father, that you would give us great grace and great wisdom and great confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we wouldn't fear a man's opinion, uh, that we wouldn't even judge ourselves in some sense, but that we would leave it to you, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 4. Uh, Father, we pray that we would walk confidently and freely in the gospel, knowing that Jesus Christ is our justification. We pray that we wouldn't put our hope in other people's repentance, but that we would put our hope in Jesus, that we wouldn't put our hope in uh, a suffering-free life, but put our hope in Jesus. We pray we wouldn't put our hope um, in what people think of us, but our hope in Jesus, Lord. And we want to look to Jesus and receive his healing uh, and let him love us uh, because we need to be loved. And you are a God who's abounding in love. And so we praise you and we pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, fam. I right, love you, bro. Love you, brother. Uh, thank you for joining us, brothers and sisters. You can find more at youwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com. We got a contact form. Uh, I uh, suspect that a number of folks will want to contact us after this one. Please contact us there. We would love to hear from you. Grace and peace. Go.